welcome to another episode of the Dog Bowen Podcast. If you listened to our last episode of me and Jer sitting down and talking about our first nights with the new pups, Cleo and Blue, this episode is the same format, but one week later. So we are going over my first week with Cleo and Jeremy's full week with Blue and those two being separated for the first time. Um, one thing you'll notice in this episode is you're going to hear Jer referring to three dogs. One is going to be Blue, which is the male of the litter. One is Cleo, which is mine. And then Makina, our English setter pup. You'll hear him refer to Makina as her a lot, just so you know that's the dog he's referring to it, um, as that comes up in conversation. So it's a really good talk. We touched on a lot of things, potty training, nipping, um, crate training, all kinds of puppy stuff. So I think you'll enjoy it. So, just over a week you've had her. She's still whining in the crate. It's getting better, where it'll be, instead of uh, two hours before she settles down, it'll be five, ten minutes. But it's every time you put her in there, you know, it's... Yeah, I don't think that's surprising at all. I mean, I think, you know, look at the... The way I see that is, is look at the difference. Yeah. In, in a week, it went from two hours to five minutes. Well... You know, that's yeah. quite a sometimes change. more, and sometimes I put her in there and she doesn't make any noise. But sure, you know, she likes to. She kind of kind of progressed from where she was just screaming to like you can hear her pawing, like yeah. fighting to get out. But you know, she settles down after a while, and I it's totally noticeable to me. Like if I have her out doing stuff, you know, if she's tired. I put her in there. She just goes to sleep, right? Guaranteed. I think part of the part of it that I'm seeing is because I have her in the shop with me all day and she just kind of lays and sleeps on place or sleeps in her kennel. You know, she pretty much sleeps all day and then we get back and it's, you know, she's Yeah, it's a, it's kind of a backwards routine when you think about it. Yeah. Like she, how do you, how do you expect a kid to go to bed while, when they sleep all day? Yep. But at the same time, like, so then with that mind, I've been taking her for little walks and stuff like Every day now, I've been I filmed some of it, but I'll just take her for a little walk around, you know, through the woods or whatever before I go home. And like last night was the first night she actually slept right through the night and didn't. She didn't get up once last night, mm-hmm. so yeah, you're way ahead. Yeah, so that was good. Um, she's definitely like we haven't had an accident. She's definitely holding it. Like last night, I mean, she didn't. Her schedule like with help when she poops is kind of weird like she won't poop after she eats at night like she pooped the next morning she doesn't go at night at mm-hmm. all yeah it's interesting so like i fed her last night like she she pooped like no matter how late you let her out yeah like even when she was getting up at 2 30 in the morning she wasn't pooping Mm-mm. and oh. then she would she she'll either poop like right before i feed her like right when i get her up she wakes up every morning at like 6 10 yeah. So like right at six ten, I'll take her out and she'll poop and piss, or she'll just piss and then she'll eat and she'll immediately poop her after she eats. But yeah. it's like I've gotten it's 
I've gotten to like where I understand her schedule now though. Right. Like for a while there I would feed her at night and I'd let her out every twenty minutes thinking she's gotta poop, she's gotta poop, she's gotta poop. Well there was one night I let her out like ten times before I went to bed and she just never would poop. So I said, Well fuck it then, I'm going to bed. And then the next morning she pooped. <laughs> so yeah. it's like, Well that's interesting because he doesn't. He um last night now, and the other thing is, is it's only been a week. So he was getting up every night exactly at three o'clock, between three and three o four, three o five, every single night on the minute, and then six o eight, he's up every. So it was once in the middle, and I, you know, I, I didn't put him in his kennel at the exact same time. I would always let him go out before, you know, he goes to his kennel. It, but it could have been ten as early as ten thirty. It might have been as late as midnight. But three o'clock every single night for every night until last night. Now last night he got up at like midnight. I probably put him in there at ten. He got up at midnight, two, three, and then I think he slept till six. But I let him out and. I think so. I I think it was I think it was probably water intake. Um, I felt like he was a little bit dehydrated yesterday afternoon, so I gave him a pretty solid drink. Um, but, I mean, he ate with water, but then and he ate all of it with water, and then I think I gave him a pretty solid drink because I walked the dogs and then I brought him in, and so he drank quite a bit of water. So I don't know if it was because he had to pee that often or not. But um, I also actually thought that part of his little antsiness, I gave him water because he was so thirsty in the after in the evening. I gave him that big that drink. So then I, you know, did he have to go to the bathroom more that night? Maybe. But the other thing was is because he was so thirsty, I kind of thought he was dehydrated. So his whininess to me was almost like maybe he's a little dehydrated. So I gave him drinks in the middle of the night when I let him out. When I brought him back in, he went to the water and he drank right away. So then I was like, well, I want to give him water to keep him from being dehydrated. But I also realized the more water I give him in the middle of the night, he's definitely going to have to pee. So last night our, our, our system was off for sure. But, yeah, he's not even close to sleeping through the night. It was getting a little bit worse. But the, what's weird is, so he poops. I bet you he poops three or four times a day. And they're big, and he eats a lot. And so I'm, like, impressed with what he's going through from a food standpoint. But he's also considerably bigger than her. And so there's no way he's making it through the night without pooping. Like, that 3 o'clock wake-up is usually he's going bathroom both ways. So his schedule, bathroom-wise, is very different than hers. And I think what's interesting about that is is they're – Brothers and sisters, you know, the brother sister, they've only been apart for a week. So, you know, when they were together, they they would have they would mess in their box in the in the shavings every night. But during the day, they almost never for the last couple of weeks. And you were with me a couple of times when we let them out for the couple of weeks prior to them going home. They hardly ever pooped in their in their pen because we would let them out we knew when they ate because we were controlling the food 
feeding them three times a day and then waking them up and taking them outside and letting them poop. And they both did. Like they both were on the, ex I thought, the exact same routine at that point. But now in a matter of one week, you changing the routine to what you did, me ha keeping the routine and actually changing the routine because he doesn't do it the same. It's not the same routine anymore. And they're that far apart. So like when people ask me, you know, uh, this last week when I answered all those Facebook questions, I couldn't believe how many of them were issues with housebreaking. Like I sent you a bunch of those. Yeah. I couldn't believe how many people were struggling with it. I think housebreaking is absolutely one of the easiest things to do. But what needs to be taken into consideration is, is when I explain this or you explain yours or I try to answer someone's question of how can I change it, the answer is going to be general in the idea of it's all about your routine. What I can't tell you is your dog poops 45 minutes after it eats or your dog poops the next morning after it eats because those are completely predicated on what the dog does. I don't know what the dog's going to do. Your dog's doing a lot different stuff than mine is. So, But I, what I do think is the same is you figured out pretty quickly her routine. I feel like I have a pretty good grip on his routine. So, But it's not step one, step two, step three, it's general direction. Yes, move that way. But I just think you got, people have to understand, like you have to figure your thing out with your dog and your setup and your situation. And we could train these dogs to, we could train these dogs to be in their kennels and sleep all day if we wanted and be up all night. Like they would adjust to what our schedule is. It doesn't matter if I work night shift or I work nine to five banker hours. The dog is going to adjust to whatever we're doing. So I, I just think that that's really, really important to understand that these dogs, it's simply figuring out their schedule and routine. Yeah, for sure. And then, I mean, I've laughed because I brought her home to see to my parents last night for the first, that was the first time they seen her. And, um, you know, they've got that chocolate lab Yeah, and she pisses and shits on the floor all the time and stuff like that in so, the house yeah they didn't do a very good job potty training her but we're housebreaking her basically but um uh, first question my dad asked me was so how many how many accidents has she had i'm like well none and he couldn't believe it right that was he couldn't he couldn't fathom that that was even possible yeah no like, right so look at you and look at me we've got two puppies nine weeks old been separated for one week yeah. I did have an accident and I'll admit to it at the cabin we brought him in this this week I fed him and I just don't remember exactly I don't remember if it was right when we got there or what but fed him put him on place got busy like one of the things that I'm having a problem with, with puppy wise is I am totally forgetting that they're eight weeks old they've taken the place so well They've taken, they're just like fitting into the routine of what we do with all of our dogs so well that like, I don't know that I ever even spent, like when I did, when I did uh, place training with her to start out, you can watch the series. There was sessions where I literally, that's all I did was sit there and watch her and make sure she didn't jump off because she tried. And if I didn't pay attention, she was going to and all that stuff. It took a lot more focus on my part to get her confident to the idea that I could even think about not paying attention to her, like having her sit right next to me like you do all day 
working. There's no way I could have done that with her for at least probably five or six sessions that took place over three or four days. With this puppy, from day one, I have not treated it like it's an eight-week-old puppy doing it for the first time. And I've walked away. I've left the room. I've and, it, and I've had not, he's not taken advantage of it. He's just, what I'm surprised with is, pleasantly surprised with right now with these puppies is how few of repetitions it takes for them to kind of get it. So are we setting ourselves up to be disappointed at some point? Probably yes. But like they're extremely clever dogs. They're well, really quick to catch on. And going off of that, you know, I've on the last time we had this little Paula, I was saying how I put her on place. I corrected her three or four times and she had it. And she, in three days of sitting here all day here and at two different houses, you know, because I bounce around all over the place, never once got off place. Well, then the other night, Actually, it was the morning. It was would have been yesterday morning. Uh, I was filling up her food, and I have her food out in the hallway. So, and I had been leaving her. Like I'll walk out of, out of the room. She'll be in my room on place, and I'll walk out and go to the bathroom, and no problems, right? So I walked out of the room, fill up her bowl with food, and all of a sudden, doot, doot, here she comes, right? So I grab a picture up, put her on place. Well, then that day, brought her here. You know, a couple hours later, and she snuck off. And then all of a sudden she did it again. Right. And she did it again. And now today she's, there was two or three times right away this morning where I put her in place, I start working, and all of a sudden there she goes, she's off. Well then, so, you know, then I realized, holy shit, you know, this she is going, turned pretty quickly. this is turning quickly. So I'm like, okay, I got to stop. I got to focus on her for a while and I got to catch her, right? right? And sure shit, like she snuck off, I put her on, so I like, I sat here and turned and kind of just had my hood up and I was just kind of peeking at her out of the corner of my eye. And all of a sudden you see her, she turns and she goes to the edge and she puts a foot over and I corrected her. I was on it. And good correction, she backed up and she hasn't tried to get off, yeah. get off since today. So it's like, you know, she definitely knows what she's, that she's not supposed to come off. But she's smart, she's clever that she knows when right. I'm not watching, well, I can sneak, sneak the off. The habit can go both ways, right. Yeah. And... Thankfully, so I had him up north. I never even thought about it. Like I, I put the dog in place, and I, I treat him like he's eight months old on place, solid. And I, I, we were getting settled in. Lily and I were getting settled into the cabin, and all of a sudden, I see him come around the corner, and I go, "Oh my god, I totally forgot I had even put him on place." So I picked him up, and I came around the corner. No, you know what? It wasn't. He wasn't on place. I fed him. That's what it was. I fed him in the back room. And I put the I put the food in the big crate, and I put him in there, and I did not close the door because I was fooling around in there. Then I left, totally forgot he was eating, went into the living room. All of a sudden, here comes a little dog coming around the corner, and he's coming to see us. And I'm just like, in my mind, I'm going, how in the hell is he running around the cabin? And then I remembered, oh, my God, I fed him, and I just totally forgot about him. I walk around the corner, and here's a big pile of poop. He pooped in the, in the between the living room and the kitchen. So then, you know, Lillian comes around the corner, oh, dad, you know, and I'm like, yeah, I know, it's, it's my fault. It's totally my fault. So I cleaned it up or whatever, but that was the only accident he's had. Yours has not had an accident. Look at, look at how little, the one mistake that happened, 100% it was me. So 
the beauty of this is, is if these guys don't realize that they can go to the bathroom in the house in the first place, yeah. they'll never, they're going to fight to not have the accident in the house. But no different than your dog coming off a of place, came off place once and realized I can come off place. Now all of a sudden she goes, well, I have an option. So I like the idea in the school of thought is don't even let them know there's another option early on. And they're that much less likely to try to go the wrong direction. So, you know, with your dad mentioning that, like, I don't think there's very many reasons why a dog should have an accident in the house ever, like ever. And, but 100%, I know the reasons they do is because the people don't do a good job of creating the routine. Like 100% with my dad's dog that he has, it's, and part of it is she would get real excited and like piddle like when he pet her, you know? And so I think that was part of it. And then the other part is I think when they had her as a puppy, you know, they would, they both work, so they wouldn't, and neither one of them had the ability to bring their dog to work. And I don't think they had anyone at home to let them out. So it's, yeah. you know, the dog's in the kennel for too long. It doesn't have an option. It became acceptable. Yeah. The dog thought it was okay to do it. Yeah. And so I just, it's this idea, of, and I think it is a micro example of the big picture of when you know where you want to go and you understand it in the first place, you're always thinking about where you want to be in the end and how to get there rather than think about now in the moment and worry about the end later. It makes it a lot harder because you don't see and you don't work towards and you don't recognize the little hiccups that you're creating along the way. So I think that is valuable um, from an overall approach and mindset when you get a puppy and like I'm reminded of it now. We're just getting through the, what I call the puppy stuff, most of the little puppy stuff with her, she was a breeze. I mean, she was a cakewalk. This puppy's even easier. Like, so far, has been even easier. But I think it's partly, you know, when I think back on the puppies, the last puppies I've had for the last 10 years, there's been a lot of them. None of them have been that hard. But it's because I, I, I know where I want to go with them. I know how to get there with them. I know all the, I've made all the mistakes enough to realize why the mistakes happen. It's not the dog. Yeah. Dogs don't make the mistakes. We do. So talk to me about the biting because you, yeah, ta- so you brought that up because I've not had that at all. Yeah, so she's, and she doesn't do it with me anymore, but like the first couple days she would, you know, you hold her and she's constantly trying to bite at your hands or, you know, your ears or your hair or whatever, your clothes and strings in your sweatshirt. Is that why you got a haircut? Yeah, that's exactly why. No, so, um, but like, so then I got to the point where, you know, I would just kind of move her and try to ignore it, ignore it, ignore it. Finally, I said, well, I got to stop this. So I'd, she'd go to do it and I'd grab her, you know, mouth, close her mouth and shake her and whatever, say no, 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 or whatever. And now she, I mean, she won't, nip her bite at me but like my roommates go to hold her and she you know goes nuts and is trying to bite their hands and everything else and part of it I, I know where part of it came from is I'm gonna put Tori in a blast but the first day I brought her back and he didn't know but uh, I had asked Tori to watch her while I showered or whatever so he, he took her and 
So I shower and I come out and I see Tori, he's got her on his bed and he's going like, like this to her and she's lunging and trying to bite his hand and you know, jacked him up and I, you know, then I explained to him why not to do that. But then ever since then, every time Tori or his girlfriend has a dog, what, what does she do? She's oh. trying to bite their hands. Doesn't do it with anyone else anymore. Those are the only two people she tries totally. to do it with. It's leadership stuff. Yeah. Yeah, and I was, I was going to say too, because like I hold her enough in the shop and she never tries biting me, yeah. but you're right next to me. But but I guarantee you that dog will test anybody new that she thinks she can get a upper hand on. Like I'm watching it with, with her and the pup. Real interesting because it's the first time I've, I don't, I mean, it's not the first time I've had puppies that are close in age. Uh, I've had them closer in age. But what's interesting is, and maybe this is why it's standing out to me. She's super soft. She's she's a baby. She's scared of scared of stuff. Uh, new dog. She's tucking her tail and she's running away from the dog. The puppy is less aggressive than that one. That one beat the hell out of mine. Yeah. Time and time again, I watched the two puppies in the pen together. That little one would dominate the big one. The big one just was. He's a softy. Yeah. So that one has a lot more pep than the pup. This one is a chicken of any big dog, scared of lots of stuff. Like, not that, and I don't think it's a fault, and it's not to the point that it's creating issues, but I have to be aware of her sensitivity. She's, yeah. she's not a real bold, dominating dog. She, will, she doesn't test me much. I don't get tested by any puppies. Pup, you've seen me with, how many puppies? How many times have you ever seen a puppy really test me? With the exception of a few at the workshop, yeah. big dogs would test me the first time I put the lead in my hand. And in a, I, I, we can show countless examples of it. Within minutes, they're licking their lips and they're putting their ears down and they're, they're looking at me like, not afraid of me, maybe a little intimidated at times, but not necessarily scared of me, but a little bit more of, I'll follow you. Yeah. It's 100% what you establish. This dog and the puppy I have watched interact. She pesters the hell out of him. She bothers him. She bites on him. She grabs a hold of his neck. She pins him down. He takes it. He takes it. He avoids it. He avoids it. And then all of a sudden, he's turned on her. And he's gotten vocal. This is the little puppy. Growling, sounding like a big, tough dog. And snapping out at that dog, at her so quickly and sharp. I mean, it's sharp. And she stops immediately and submits to him. Like, instantly. So, what it showed me is, dogs, in general, like, when that little dog is testing, she's the little dog who thinks she's tough. And she is showing the other person... I'm the leader. I'm the boss. I'm gonna. I'm gonna dominate you. Rawr, 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 I'm tough. As soon as, and so, she did it to the little puppy. Well, when I say the little puppy, he weighs as much as she does almost. So he's shorter and smaller and more compact, but he's not like little compared to her. She's pick, picking on him, and he doesn't know what to. He doesn't hardly know to stand up for himself. But the second he did, she gave in. And that puppy was quick and sharp and to the point, very, like if I, 
if I were watching that and it was a person, I'd say, good correction. Like, it's and, and at the end of it, it's not like he stays after her. He doesn't continue to pound on her. Yeah. She would continue to pound on him. Like, she was a bully yeah. uh, when, he, when he let her let it happen. But then all of a sudden, as soon as he responded assertively, she quit. She said, I'm done with this. I'll leave you alone. Sorry. He left her alone. He didn't continue to beat up on her. So I'm looking at it, and I what I took away from it was, is, you know, as a handler, with these little puppies, whether it's her or it's the little black one, because they both are submissive, when they're getting picked on or somebody's thrashing them, they're giving in. They're not re- resorting to, I'll stand up and fight back. It doesn't take beating a puppy up. But like my little puppies will test me at times and about the first time they do it and they want to show that they're tough to me, I don't lose my cool. But I am not even hesitant to reach out, grab that puppy by the scruff of the neck, startle the hell out of it and let them know that's enough. Set them down and move about my business like I'm not mad at you anymore. But I'm not going to come over there and go, are you okay? Oh. A lot of times they scream. Arr! They're scared. And I, I don't, oh, oh, no, no, no. I don't coddle. I don't stay on them. I don't keep hammering on them. I don't shake them and yell at them even harder when they're, I, I recognize. There, I made my point. Set you down. Go about my business. Everything's cool. Like, I'm back to being just level. I'm not here. I'm not there. I'm there. And that's it. She's not going to test me anymore. So the, these guys, it's a little ongoing because she'll get good after he snaps at her. She'll get good for a little while. And then she'll decide, oh, I'm going to come over and pick on you a little bit more. And he's learning, if I have had enough of it, I'm just going to let you know. And it, and it happens. It's audible. It's a little physical. My big dogs take more crap off of her than the puppy does. The big dogs just let her, let, she'll get a little wild hair in her and she'll decide I'm really going to try to mess with the big dogs. And I encourage them. I don't, I mean, I don't, there's nothing I can do to have it, have, have it happen. But I would just assume have them give that, give her, and Spry used to do it when she was real little and would try to come in on Spry. Spry would sit there and just go, Arr! never, never lashed out, never nipped, never bit, never nothing, but sat there and growled at her and she would go, whoops. And she would leave Spry alone. And so I think it's what the interesting part is that's how they communicate. That's how the dogs communicate to each other. That's how they tell the other dog that's enough. Don't do it. I think we need to replicate that. I don't think we need to you know, I had this one person who their dog's nipping, biting, and it's a podcast question, so we're going to record a podcast about it. But I've tried everything. I've, you know, I've been aggressive. I've been, uh, I've retreated. I, I've cried and said, ouch. Like, I've heard of people doing that. Dog bites you, so you're supposed to say, ouch, ouch. And that's going to teach the dog to stop? I think that's the most ridiculous thing in my, I've ever heard. Stop. Don't treat the symptom. Treat the illness. The illness is you got a brat. You got a little dog that's being a brat. So be an adult. Be the grown-up in the situation. Be quick, sharp, and assertive. Get the result and move on. 
And I feel like for you with the nipping and biting part, there's two ways of avoiding it. One is don't allow it to happen in the first place. So if you just hold the puppy the right way, she can't bite you anymore. So when you give her to a new person, say, don't hold her where she can bite at your stuff because she will if you let her. That's one way of avoiding the habit. Don't let the habit start in the first place. The second thing is, is as she tests and tries to figure out, like, can I be your boss? Can I be your boss? Can I be your boss? Little kids are, it's real hard with little kids because the little kids, it's hard to have them become assertive. But if you get that little puppy to start recognizing I'm not going to have a chance. So firm up, tell them no, that's enough, and move on. Yeah. And if you do, it's amazing how that problem just doesn't come back. That's what you gotta do. Because yeah. I've had, I don't think we've had that happen at all with the little pup. Um, you know, with Lillian, you know, of anyone in our family we're, we're gonna have an issue with, it would be Lillian because she's little. But I actually, you know, at three years old, I give Lillian a lot of credit because she's seen dogs enough. She's been around dogs enough. She, like, literally, like, starts to take on this handler attitude. And she doesn't take any shit from any of them. You guys have seen Lillian with the dogs. Lillian will walk these dogs around like she's the boss. Now, she's 28 inches tall. You don't have to be six feet. I think sometimes six feet is harder because you're more intimidating. But... She literally is 28 inches tall. And she's, but that puppy's 14 inches tall. So it doesn't, it's how you carry yourself. That puppy, the black puppy, is much smaller in frame than this dog. But it depends on how he decides to carry himself. If he's a little weakling and he ducks and runs, she's going to take advantage of him. If he firms up and says, get the hell off my feet, She's going to say, no problem. I respect it. But that, that's how dogs communicate. I don't think we should expect dogs to communicate the way we do. We got to communicate the way they do. Yeah. So what else? I mean, it's place training. It's potty break. It's housebreaking. It's the first week. Recall? She come to you? Yeah, she comes to me. I mean, sometimes she'll stop and look at me, and I'll have to, you know, get down and clap or yeah. walk away. But yeah, she always comes. I've Same. I've started now with the whistle, like when I go on our little walks. And I filmed some of it, but when I go for a little walk around here, I'll just bring a whistle, and when she, you know, she'll hang up and be smelling something, or she'll wander off a little bit, and I'll hit the whistle. And she, yeah. it took her a little while at first to like connect the dots, but you know, I would start. She wouldn't come to the whistle alone, so you know, then I would do all the things I've been doing for the last week, get down, clap, you know, yeah. walk away. And as, she, as soon as she turns and starts coming, then I would hit the whistle. Yes. I was just going to say, your sequencing there is important. Yeah. So the whistle doesn't mean come to me. They, the whistle, yeah. they, don't know, they don't know that that's supposed to be what it is. So what, what, what you need to do is to get the whistle to equal come to me, you need to first get the dog coming to me and then overlay the whistle when they're coming. Yeah. So to start out with, Usually, when you walk away from them and make a little commotion, make a little excitement, do something to get them their attention, when they see you, you're leaving, they're usually coming, which take advantage of it because you got a couple of weeks of that left. Yeah. And then she, she's not going to come anymore. She's going to say, I don't want to. I'm going to go do something else or I'm going to run away from you. Like, it's coming. Yeah. It's just not there yet. So 
Same with the pup I have. The beauty, the difference of the pup I have right now in this pup is this pup never wanted to always be by me. He always wants to be by me. I took him for a walk last night, and he never leaves my side. He's right there. He just really wants to be with me. I want that in my lab. I don't, I don't have a problem with that. I think it's great. So I, I wish she would have done that a little bit better when she was little. Uh, you know, it's different in personality. But when you walk away from them, they're coming. So get him coming to you, then start blowing the whistle while he's coming to you, and do that enough that all of a sudden when he hears the whistle, he goes, every time I hear the whistle, what am I doing? I'm going to him. So now I hear the whistle, oop, I got to go to you. Like it's, it, it's not, um, you got to overlay it in sequence. So get the behavior first and then start cueing in audible. So, but I mean, other than that, you're studying her up at feeding times? I haven't done it yet. Um, a little bit. I mean, she's pretty. Did you tell me the other day she was sitting for you? Yeah, she was like, you know, I start out, I just hold her. She never really got like super excited about the food. I mean, she'll shake a little bit. So I just, I've kind of just been holding on to her for one, two, three minutes just out of principle you know but it's not like she's fighting me or vocal yeah. or anything so i just hold her and you know she'll lick my face and look at other stuff you know so she's not like getting super worked up about the food so i just kind of hold on to her for a while and then i'd put her down and you know little feet would go and first couple times i'd just let her go and then after that i'd put her down and she'd go and i'd lift her up and i'd put her down she'd go and i'd lift her up and two three times and she stopped she wouldn't run she stopped look at me so i'd send her on her name like if i was doing the retrieve then after that i did that a couple times where i'd put her down she wouldn't run so then i just pushed her butt down one time i did it pushed her butt down she sat i sent her on her name and then literally i mean that was at night and then the next morning i went to do it again and held her for a while put her down i didn't even have to tell her to sit or anything she just sat on her own and looked up at me. So I sent her. Yeah. And so I, I mean, you could, you could, yeah, you could, you could start working sit with her. I mean, she know, and so I think it's the exact same thing. You've got a pattern now that she understands. You got food out there. You put her down. She should put her butt down. So you got the behavior part patterning. So now you can start overlaying the idea of before she sits, tell her to sit. You know she's gonna sit anyway. Yeah. So say she you set her down, you know she's coming. Sit and she sits. Good. Sit, good. I mean, I do use I haven't done it yet, but when we do sit, I'll use kibble the first few times for sure. Because I like to take the kibble and lift it up. Because I want her to get her head to come up, and when her head goes up, her butt goes down. If her butt goes down, her head comes higher. So I do want to get this little teeter-totter action of sit. And then I pay her, sit, pay her, sit, pay her. I'll do that early on, and then I'll quit paying her with food, and I'll pay her with good. I'll pay her with a little praise. So I, I'm, you know, I'm not, I'm not big on the idea of the treat training, um, just because I just don't think it's real complete. I think it's tricky. I think it's a good trick. I don't want to trick. I don't want to teach the dog tricks. So, but I, I do think that you're starting to see that behavior. Hell, jump on it. Why not? It's no different than you hear me talking about with her standing. I'm not woe, I'm not technically really woe training her yet, 
but she has a very natural tendency and has shown me a natural tendency to stand still. I'm going to look at that and say, why not take advantage of what she's doing and turn it into a benefit that will help me down the road? So when you start to teach her to sit, well, if she's sitting already, let's start getting her to understand that, yeah, I'm, I actually want you to do that at certain times. So I have not started it with him. I haven't done anything at feeding times with him yet. I'm still feeding him in the kennel. Um, he's eating like a horse. I mean, it's, I just haven't gotten to it yet. It's, we'll get there when we get there. But So it's also another good example of like the, that age-old question of, you know, you're, gonna do, you're doing stuff that I'm not. I'm probably doing some things that you're not. I think that, you know, if we do a good job, both of us, our dogs in the end, when I say the end, you know, a couple years down the road, are probably going to be where we want them to be. And they're probably going to be relatively close. Mine will probably be better. But, I mean, that's for sure. So, but... I don't think I don't think we're going to go there at the like we're going to probably be pretty close because we're going to work so closely together with them. You're going to see and hear me, and you're going to pick up on stuff that I'm doing, and I'm going to pick up on stuff that you're doing. And we may actually push ourselves, push each other a little bit with some of the stuff we're doing. But I think what's important is understanding for people that are watching this is the idea that it isn't like like Chief coming home the other day. Chief did really well at certain things and he didn't do very well at other things. And it's not that the dog is good, bad, or indifferent. It's just the sequence in which he was taught certain things and not taught certain things. It, but, you know, he's 11 months old. So by the time he gets to be two years old or three years old, I got a feeling him not doing certain things for months later than what I normally would do him with, that'll all have caught up leveled out and be just fine same with these guys i just you know you that's why i feel like you know those first those first several months i think it's nice to be moving forward i i think some people really um really put a lot of like merit on the idea of being so far ahead so early i personally through my own my own experience find that those are usually the ones that are pretty disappointed at certain points because they've just decided to push, push, push. Uh, a lot of it is out of lack of understanding the big picture. Um, I don't discount and take away from people that get a lot done early with their dogs. I just think getting a lot done early with your dogs is like winning the, the first quarter. I don't, I personally don't really care about the score at the end of the first quarter. I'd like to be in the game. I don't want to be down 100 to nothing. But I don't think we're ever that far out of reach. I think the game's got to be, we got to keep the game close. But I don't, I don't think you have to spend a lot of time and effort. If you spend all your energy in the first quarter, you are going to be in trouble in the fourth quarter. And you know the age-old saying, you know, games are won and lost in the fourth quarter. Well, it's this marathon mentality, and I think that you can get real far ahead in the early on. I don't, I'm not nervous about that. I don't feel like I need to be. Yeah. Yeah, and I haven't felt rushed with anything. Really. Well, it's been seven days. Yeah, exactly. I know, but I'm saying, like, 
as far as like like I feel feel a little bit of like I need to be doing the recall stuff while she's still you know yeah you willing. got a little short window yeah, yeah so that's I've been trying to take advantage of that yeah you know I place I also training think, obviously I also think you're gonna have more fun with her that way like yeah. uh, you know you should really enjoy this yeah and I am it's it it's be. it's been probably the coolest part of it is like so far for me and I thought about it last night and a little bit today like. I'm really starting to get like a sense of her personality, I guess. Yeah. You know, that's and I think she's what really is it? Very sweet. Um, she's a sweet little dog for sure. She can get hyped, you know. She can get wound up. Yeah. Pretty easy, you know. Um, she definitely like. She's pretty bold. She doesn't really have any, like, for example, last night when I went home with her, you know, my parents. Dog Loki is the chocolate lab. Pretty good sized dog, very hyper, like balls to the walls dog. You know, I bring her, I get home and I take her out of the truck and Loki's at, also Loki comes flying and just smashes into the clear window glass door and barking and, you know, pretty intimidating looking. She takes off, right? Sees that and takes off. I'm like, oh fuck, here we go. So I go and get her, and she's around the backside of the garage, and I find her, I pick her up, and I bring her in. I think it just caught her off guard. You yeah. know, she had just woke up. She was sleeping in the kennel in a new spot, never been to the house before. So I pick her up, and my parents put her in the kennel, put Loki in the kennel. So I bring her in, and, you know, they see her. And finally, I'm like, let let Loki out, and let's see how, you know, we'll see how half goes. So I'm holding her, so they let Loki out, and... Dad's got her on a leash and she's freaking, you know, pulling him and going nuts. And so I just took her and, you know, let them sniff each other and they're fine. So I put her down and immediately, you know, I was kind of like, I wonder if she's what's going to happen here, you know. So they smell each other and immediately she just goes to trying to kick the shit out of Loki, right? No, like took 30 seconds of them smelling each other and it was, yeah. she's jumping, grabbing the ears and whatever and chasing Loki. And I'm like, okay, we got to stop this. So I pick her up and, you know, whatever. But, like, little things like that, loud noises. You know. I mean, pretty bold puppy. Yeah. She beat bold. she beat her brother up yeah. time and time again. Yeah. Like, not even a question. Yeah. The zip in her and the feistiness in her was, yeah. was there. But it's also, you know, so it's there for sure. But it's also, it's, she has a nice balance of, like, like, there's times, for example, there's times on her place bed where she'll, you know, be barking at me, right? Whining and barking at me. Not so much at the shop, but it's like when I get back to back home, it's like it's almost like a different dog. Like, the feistiness really comes out at night. Yeah. I don't know why, but... So I put her on place, and she'll sit there and bark and bark and bark and yap and whine, and finally I'll have enough of it, and, you know, I'll ignore it, and then it'll get to a point where... Like, instead of just whining out of, like, pity, it's like she's barking at, you know, yelling at me. Yeah, and then I'm like, Yeah, then I'm like, that's when I'll firm up and do the, grab her by the snout and, you know, give her a shake. And almost every time it's like, she kind of, like, hunkers up, big sigh, and that's it, yeah. you know. So it's like yeah. she's, 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 got, she's testing, but she's giving when yeah. you, when you, yeah. and that's what I, that's what I think people need to understand is, you don't have to be a jerk. Yeah. You you shouldn't be run over by the dog. Yeah. You shouldn't have to baby them. 
You shouldn't coddle them. You have to be a good lead, what I call a good leader. And I, I think everyone's got different opinions of what a good leader is. But to me, a good leader is fair. You'll let her, you'll, you'll under, you're, you're compassionate enough and understanding enough to realize that it's an eight-week-old puppy that's a little antsy, yeah. um, you know, a little bit of vocalization. Maybe I, I, get, I get it. You're frustrated. You're working through some anxiety probably because you're separated from your brother. You're, you're, you, I, I, I'll, I'll let that go a bit. But when it turns into you're a brat and you're barking at me and saying, hey, jerk, over here. No, that's enough. And so what's the beauty of that is, is she is telling you, I'm strong enough to test, but I'm not so strong that when I realize he's a good leader, I'll shut up and follow. Yeah. And that's what I want. Yeah. I mean, that's a nice balance. I've been debating like when she's in the kennel and screaming and barking and stuff. Like I haven't, you know, a couple times I would, you know, yell that's enough, you know, shut up or something like that. And she'll stop for about 10 seconds and then right back yeah. to it. So then it's like, well, that didn't work, you know, back to ignoring it. So it's, and I didn't want to feed into that. Yeah. You know, right. That's so, a fine line of, so are you giving line. her attention, even though it's negative attention, does she get what she wants? It's a fine line. I, at the same time, it's like, okay, obviously the ignoring by ignoring her has been working. Cause we went from two to three hours of screaming to, 10 yeah. to 15 minutes. Right. So yeah. yeah, and I think that's uh, something you got to test. I you don't know until you try. So like I have I have gotten it's a lot like the amount of pressure. Like how much is too much? You get asked that all the time. I don't know how much pressure. I'm afraid I'm putting too much pressure on. I don't know how much is too much. How much is too little? I don't know. And I don't know that it is the same all the time. I think the best way to, to answer that question is the right amount gets the change in behavior. Anything above that is too much, and anything that doesn't get change in behavior is not enough. So how much is too much? When you get a change in behavior, but you think you might have been able to give them a little bit less. So next time, try that. So like I, I, I guarantee you I have put too much pressure on dogs at times. I've corrected them too firmly. I got the change I wanted, but I wonder if it was too much. And so when I, when I this, is, this is us as a handler, like consciously thinking about everything we do all the time. When that happens, then I say to myself, hmm, was that too much? Did I, did I not need to put that much on? How much did I just use? And the next time I need to do it, Use less. And if I get the same change in behavior, desirable, then, yeah, I was wrong. I had too much. So I get to, I get to creep it down a little bit, down a little bit, down a little bit. And the, what I'm hoping to be able to do is get change with very, very little pressure. So the idea is to continually make that pressure level change to be less and less and less and get effective behavior. And when I say less pressure, I also mean less often. Remember when we do the, you know, at the workshop, we do, there's a point where I say, count your corrections. You know, I can't ask people to count their corrections and try to figure out the right level to start out with. The first thing I want people to do is figure out what's the right level. So we work on that for a long time. 
That, then once we start getting effective corrections, then I start asking people, now how often do you have to do it? Because if you have to do it, if it's the right correction level-wise and it changes her behavior, but five seconds later she's back to that behavior and then you correct her and it stops for five seconds and then it's back to it, then I'm going to say, well, it wasn't the right level. It was the right level to get you five seconds of relief, but it didn't change long term. And I don't want to be nagging the dog constantly for the rest of its life every five seconds to remind it. So my answer to that is more pressure. If you put more pressure on and it stretches out the behavior, the time in between correct and incorrect behavior, it gets a change. And instead of five, every five seconds, it makes, you know, you go a minute or two before she does it again. Then I'd say, well, that was probably a little bit closer to the right amount of pressure. So maybe try that level again, or maybe a little bit more and see if it goes longer. And if you put a little bit more pressure on and it doesn't make it any longer in between, then maybe it wasn't the right amount there either. So it's like, a, it's a real, um, it's a constant thing that you get to be internally thinking about, subconsciously measuring at all times. None of that happens after, like, none of that happens right away. You gotta experiment with her. Yeah. So I do think you can re realize that she's not super fragile, like especially yours, yeah. she's fairly bold. Yeah. So I don't know that I'm so concerned with the idea of, um, you know, the impacts to a degree, the impacts of more pressure am I gonna create Am I going to scar the dog? I don't, within reason, no, you're yeah. not going to. I mean, I feel like I've thought about it too. Like, you know, like today when I caught her coming off her place after she came off a couple of times and then I caught her, I'm like, okay, she's, she's, this is going south. She's come off four or five times now in the last two days where she's, I haven't corrected her. I'm like, I'm going to make this one. I'm going to have, make sure I have good timing and make it firm. Yeah. So, you know, she went to the edge, she creeped off. As soon as that one foot came off, I went, ah, ah, and I grabbed her by the scruff. You know, I lifted her up and I put her down. I mean, I was pretty firm about it, right? Yeah. I didn't slam her down, I just, you know, yep. firm. And I kind of held her down for a few seconds and then I let her off and, you know, she brushed it off. Right. It was nothing. So it's like... But part of it too is... What I felt like might have been hard or, you know, a little bit aggressive... I don't think it phased her one. I mean, it, 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 it was it was probably, I thought it was the right level because, you know, she hasn't done it again all day. So. Right. I think one of the things that you got to keep in mind is measure this. Are you doing it? Where are your emotions at when you make those corrections? Like, if you're upset about it, it's probably too much. Yeah. Like, and so this is hard for people to do. But... A firm correction can't be filled with emotion. Yeah. And I like it's got to be pretty, you got to be pretty cool. Yeah. And like your actions have to be crisp. Your mental state has to be pretty cool. Yeah. And you got to be, you got to be, you got to let it go as soon as it's done. Yeah. And the dog will know. Yeah. The dog will know if you're, if you're a jerk, the dog knows. Yeah. If you're carrying this anger and I'm not saying you do, but some people I do think look at their dogs and they get pretty bitter up towards them because they're big, they're little assholes. Well, you're at a disadvantage if you feel that way about your dog from the start because your dog knows it and your dog goes, he doesn't even like me. Well, 
it's hard to work for someone that you don't that doesn't like you and you you probably don't like him yeah yeah and it was i mean once you came off a couple times this morning i was you know it made me a little pissed probably i didn't correct her because it was too yeah. late right but you know in my head i'm like god dang we're so we're doing so good we yeah. like five yeah, days without it but then i was like after the fact when i realized i need to be paying better attention yeah, it fault? wasn't anger correction it's like okay Right. I know I need to correct pretty firmly because this is going south. Right. And I won't, don't think I, you know, there was, I don't have, didn't have any anger when that. I had anger after the couple times she came off, but it was too, you know. Right. Yeah, and so I think that you, you, it, you know, you put it into perspective and saying, you know what, I got to pay better attention to her. Yeah. You know, I got to, I got to. I'm the one who screwed that up. Like when the dog makes a mistake, a good trainer is, I think in, in my opinion, a good trainer is pretty quick to figure out what did they do wrong? Not the dog, the person. What did I do wrong that made that happen? And then, and then start to figure out how to not do that going forward. Yeah. And, and a lot of times I do think that people, you know, it's not what they did. It's that damn dog type thing. Yeah. Well, it's not the dog. It's the person. Yeah. So, okay. Well, let's, um, you want to let her out and then make, let's, I, I think we, I think we try a couple of puppy retrieves in here just to see what she's got. Sure. I don't, sure, you know, maybe uh, she does, maybe she doesn't. Um, I just know that like, like on social media, we've been getting the question a lot about like what to do if, you're, if the dog's like piss inside and get excited and pee all over inside. Like there's like two, well, there's what, there's what, two what, different what, things what, there. So like Excitement, like, urination, or you know, like yeah, that. So I guess there's so, a lot of mobs asking for the answer. So I think I think the huh? So I think the issue when it comes to like dogs that get real excited and pee, I think again, it's not people always want to know how do I stop that. I'm a believer in don't treat the symptom, treat this illness, like avoid the illness in the first place. So when it, if it is, if it truly is excitement, which a lot of dogs get excited, a lot of it I think has to do with confidence. You got to build the dog's confidence. So un, a, a non-confident dog will pee out of kind of cowering. An excitable dog, that's different than a dog that gets real excited and pees. So the dog that gets very excited and pees, my approach to them is, it's no different than a dog that loses control or focus because of excitement. It's like a, it's like a pot that's boiling, and you can turn the heat wide open on them, and as it hits that boiling point, it's going. It's real hard to stop the mess from happening when you've got it burning hot and it boil and it right at boiling and it boils over. What I say is, get your hand on that, on that gauge that controls the temperature. And when the dog starts to get hot, not boiling, like when it gets to start warming up, well then turn it back down a little bit. Get that, get a nice, you, you see the water's moving around, it's heating up, but it's not bubbling, it's not boiling. And you certainly, when it gets to the point where it starts to boil and bubble, you don't put more gas on that fire and all of a sudden poof, lose it. You don't, so slow everything down. What gets that thing, what gets this dog excited is me coming up to it, ramped up, amped up. Oh, you're so cute. And you start petting them. And then they like go, I boiled over and I'm peeing and I'm shaking and I'm excited and I'm jumping and I'm hopping and I'm losing control. 
it's recognizing that early on with little puppies that have a tendency to be excitable and going, okay, I know that this dog is on the brink of that all the time. So what do I, how do I treat them? I treat them like I don't necessarily want to think about the heat. I might throw a few ice cubes in that water, cool it down. So slow down, resist reaching down and petting them and loving them up. I, yeah, it's hard for people to do, but in the big picture, it's much better for your dog. For you to look them in the eyes, if they look to you and they are so excited and all they want is for you to pet them, and then you pet them and they pee because they can't handle that excitement, look them in the eyes and say, you're good. You're a good dog. Let that tail wag that way. If that gets them over the, over the top, then just look at them and go, good. And that's it. You have to slow the slow dogs want to go fast because we live fast lives and we're bouncing around when they want to go fast i slow down i do the opposite so if the dog is scared and pees because you walk up to it and it's cowering it's lacking the confidence so what do you have to do with him you got to build his confidence up that's probably not overwhelming him with excitement that's probably enough to push him over the edge and get him even ner more nervous so with that dog that's Lacking confidence, build his confidence. Teach him some foundational obedience stuff where all of a sudden he looks at you and goes, man, there's a real good leader. I'll follow him. And you in that session, in, in that series of sessions, start developing this dog to realize I'm a pretty good student. He's a good leader. I'm a good student. Hmm, I feel pretty good about myself. And now all of a sudden this dog that used to cower because he was scared and weak and wanted to pee decides, I'm not, I'm a pretty good student. If you tell yourself every day, I'm really good looking, pretty soon you start believing it. If you go and look at yourself in the mirror and you go, man, am I ugly? Man, do I look terrible? You're going to believe it. So you build this confidence in a dog. Self-esteem is what we're doing. We get the, give the dog some self-esteem. You don't give self-esteem falsely though. They earn it. So the dog that wants to cower and pee, build their confidence up. The dog that gets too excited and pees because of it, turn the heat down. Shut the heat off. Get the dog to start understanding that behavior, slow, steady, calmness is very favorable and rewarding.